Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Collegian Circumstances. I am your host, Marion Angelis, and this is our show. Good morning, everybody, or when you guys are listening to this, good afternoon. I, <laughs> I'm a little sleepy, so if you guys are watching on YouTube and you see I'm a little, I look a little tired, it's because I am. So that's just a little heads up for y'all, but I wanted to say hello, 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 and that's these episodes are really just so fun and so exciting. So I'm so happy that you all are here to just listen and for all of us to share our ideas, but also just to kind of get a different perspective on a show that may seem very trivial at first. So today we're going to be talking about Fate the Wink Saga. And with Fate the Wink Saga, it's, if you guys, if you guys have ever heard of Winx Club, um, or haven't heard of them. It's this show about these fairies and this girl named Bloom, she ends up finding out that she is a fairy and one of the most powerful fairies that have ever been known to exist. And she ends up with like her best friends, which were Flora, who controls like the flora and fauna, Stella, who controls the sun and light, Aisha, water, um, trying to remember, Musa, who controls music, Tecna, who controls technology. Now, this show, The Winx Club, not the show that we're actually going to be reviewing today, is a very, it's a kid's show. It's a kid's show. It ran for, I think, seven seasons with its original animation style, and then it's now spun off to more of a style that really gears towards young, young children. And I grew up watching Wings Club. I'm a big fan of the show. I've watched, prob I've probably watched everything, even the new stuff, which I'll be honest with you, the new stuff isn't my favorite, but I'm kind of an old school kind of person when it comes to the Wings Club because um, long story short, the Wings Club actually was founded around the early 2000s. So I wasn't actually very old when the show came out already and then the original animation style on its like main network which is what I mean by main network like the main show is around seven seasons so there's seasons one through three which was with the original animation company Rainbow and then seasons four through six that were with Nickelodeon and those are the ones I started watching. And then I worked backwards it's back to seasons one through three. And then season seven, which was, wasn't with um, um, Nickelodeon, but it was with Rainbow at the same time, the original Italian company. And then, yeah, that's pretty much the whole catch up for the series. But there's also some series on Netflix where they put a spinoff for Winx Club, it was like this, um, it was really cool. I'm trying to remember what it was called though. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but it is, if you type up Winx on Netflix, there is this other show, The World of Winx. That's a, what, what it was. It's a spinoff where the, the Winx are kind of just like secret agents and they go through all of these different like fairy tale stories in order to figure out this whole mystery. So they kind of incorporate our classic fantasies of like Tinkerbell, Peter Pan, 
um, the Snow Queen, some of the really, really old stuff that invigorates a lot of us in our inner childhoods and incorporates it with this show, The World of Wakes. That's a, that's a lot of background for this show, but this show has been going on for, I would say, at least 15 years, which I think is baffling. I think a show that can last that test of time will last for generations. It's definitely something I want my own kids to watch one day. But for today, we are going to be talking about Fate the Wink Saga, which is a spinoff to Winx Club that is very much for a mature audience. Now, <laughs> I will say this right off the bat. This is not what you would see in a kid's show at all. This show, Fate, is 100% its own iteration, and they have characters that have the same names for the most part, but they changed a lot of what actually happened in the original animation to fit a adult audience. So. Fate the Wink Saga is more geared towards an adult, such as myself, or probably people who are around 16 or older. This is where it is geared towards, probably towards the 16 to 28 age demographic, where they are targeting the kids who watched Wink's Club in 2004, 2005, like the very beginning years, and continuing to watch it throughout the years, and now they have something to go back towards, which is fate, fate, the Wink Saga. So today I kind of want to like talk about each of the characters, like the main ones that are really, really important to the storyline. And the first one I really want to talk about is Bloom, who is the person kind of starts this whole Winx Club journey on the way, where in like in the original animation, she is a she is a human. Um, not a human, but a girl that was found out to be a fairy. That's that. Those are my words. And Bloom, she decides to go to Alfia College, which is this college for fairies and guardians. And she comes in. She's like, I don't know about my powers. I'm so unsure about the future. And slowly she's like trying to discover her powers and has a hard time controlling them at first because in a way she has this very, I guess she's very unpracticed. She doesn't have the practice that all the other fairies do with them having fairy parents. She had human parents. And that really sets her apart from everybody else where she doesn't feel like she belongs in either world, whether it be the, the other world, which is what it's called in the series, and then the human world where she has magical powers. But luckily with her like sweet mates, so her roommates, they all band together and eventually they become this one unit that is pretty tightly bound. Not necessarily in the same terms of Wings Club where it was just like, oh, we need to get over these kind of like friendship hurdles. It was like, oh, there's a lot of drama here. There is a lot of suspense and mystery behind our backgrounds, which is just like any other young adult show. And I would easily compare this show to like The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or as if The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Riverdale had a baby, but with fairies. That That's the closest 
description I think I could get to the show if you wanted a comparison. And with Bloom, she is this person who just continues to, I guess, grow and flourish, but not necessarily in the best circumstances. Now, I want kind of want to switch to somebody else and then we'll go back to her and we'll explain her a little bit further. So there are some changes to this show that are different. Tara, who is actually supposed to be Flora, um, is very different than Flora. Well, not exactly different. I feel like their personalities are actually somewhat similar. Flora is known to be this person who's very gentle and kind and has this softer demeanor about her. And it, to me, sometimes she seems a little shy. And Tara, she is very shy in the show, but she's also a woman who's not afraid to speak her mind. Like there was this guy who was trash talking about how fat she was and she decided to use her powers to essentially choke him. Now, do I believe that that guy should have been choked? No, I do not because that, that was a really scary moment. If that happened in real life, that would be terrifying. But since this is Althea and this is not real, I actually thought it was pretty badass. I thought it was so cool that Tara did that and that she has this, I guess, warmth about her that Flora already had in the original series. Now we're, we're switching to Musa. And instead of her controlling music, she controls mind and emotion. And I feel like this comparison is very fair because in a way, music has a way to control our mind and our and our emotions. That where music can convey all of the emotions and soul that you feel in your heart, and it's just expressed outwardly. Whereas if you were to, I guess, just think about mind and emotion by itself, there's there's no driving force behind that for music to to read other people's minds and emotions, which she can do. And Musa, she's always wearing her headphones in the show. And Tara notices, well, why are you wearing your headphones? She's a very, Tara's already is a very aware person of her, of her emotions and other people's emotions and is very, I guess, I guess instinctively empathetic and sympathetic. And once Musa decides to let go and release her own energy. And what I mean by that is just be honest with people. She ends up earning a lot of love and trust from Tara where they become really, really close friends. Even when Musa is interested in the guy and she doesn't want to tell Tara first because she's scared of her own emotions, she ends up telling Tara and the two of them are become super, super close. And I find that very sweet that even in this show, Fate, that the friendship values are still there, but they're very subdued compared to what you would find in a children's show. And this is where things get a little bit of a twist and turn when we're doing this. Like we're gonna, Stella. Now Stella, she still controls the sun and light. She's still princess of Solaria. Yeah, she is a princess in the original animation. But so is Bloom, but I don't know if she is a princess in this in this series. We'll find out next season. But with Stella, she is the queen bee. She 
used to date Sky, which is actually Bloom's love interest in the show. And none of the other guardians are here. Well, I wouldn't say none of the other guardians. They're there, but they're not very, I guess, pronounced in the whole show. And Stella, she's this fireball. She just knows exactly what she wants and, and what she will do to get it. And there ended up being this accident several years ago where she would cast a spell. She casted a spell on her best friend and blinded her essentially. And with that, she ended up draining a lot of her own powers and had to be rehabilitated by the, she had to be rehabilitated by the headmistress, Farrah Downling, which is the current headmistress. Now, the mother who is queen of Solaria, she does not think that her training is going fast enough. Stella feels that she just wants to get her, her boyfriend back sky and just have everything be normal and have her be on top. But that Bloom is kind of getting in the way of that because in a way she is unlike anybody else you've ever seen. And of course they always say that the oddity is the one that has the most attention. And with Bloom, she is, I guess, like a fireball in her own right. And I just love that about her. She has this spirit that is very strong, at the same time, very hesitant, but with her powers, she has a very strong will. And I think that that's amazing to see in, in an adult show, in any show, really, because I feel like there's this very heightened stereotype of women having to be subdued that this typical stereotype of the shiro, yeah, the shihiro, that women can be, can be powerful too, and that men can also be gentle and kind and sensitive. That's kind of where the show kind of twists a little bit, where it's like very different. It's very, very different. And Stella is just like rivaling with everybody. That's, that's who she is in this show. And in the original animation, she's very self-centered. She has that self-centered attitude about her, but she loves her friends regardless. And when I heard they were doing a live action, I thought to myself, well, they're going to make Stella like Queen Bee. They're going to make her a bad girl. And that's exactly what they do. <laughs> so at the very least, it is expected and it is true. Now... I want to get to Aisha, our, our fairy of water. And really, Aisha doesn't have much of a role in this show, now that I think about it. She really just helps Bloom balance herself and learn how to control her powers in a way that is productive. Because they always say that in the show, stronger emotions means stronger power. And for Bloom... She is this woman with strong, strong power, but she uses her emotions ineffectively due to Stella, who decides to train her. And the reason Stella starts to train her is because Bloom decided to borrow Stella's ring and this other monster, which is like the main monsters in this show, they steal Stella's ring. And now Stella has to teach Bloom how to use her powers in order to get her ring back so that her mother will not kill her which I find 100% warranted that it happens that way. Because 
I guess like in a way you're like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I need to do everything it needs. I need to do everything in order to not be in trouble, no matter who's in my way, which is the attitude that still has throughout this entire season, which is six episodes. And Sky, her other half, now, now that we're bouncing out of Aisha, she kind of doesn't have much of a role. Sky, he, his dad, Andreas of Araculon, <laughs> Araculon, sorry, my pronunciations of things are not the best today, <laughs> died with the battle from the other monsters that happened 16 years ago. And Sky's guardian instructor is like his second dad who kind of took him in. But you guys should probably watch the show to figure out what actually happens, but it's pretty amazing. Sky is a very, I would say he's a very confident guy, but at the same time, he's been hurt so many times that he doesn't want to get close to anybody and wants to just protect the ones that he already has in his life, like his second dad, his guardian instructor. And to him, he'll do anything to do that. But at the same time, he has this fighting, I guess a fighting love triangle between Stella, Sky, and Bloom. And we already know that Sky and Bloom are, are somewhat interested in each other, but Stella wants Sky back and is willing to push Bloom out of the picture. It is this very complicated thing. I guess not very complicated. It's a typical, it's a typical trope. But you guys got to watch the season to be able to figure out everything that goes on because this show's absolutely crazy. I <laughs> I thought that this show would be at least somewhat subdued. <laughs> it was absolutely bonkers. And we also get introduced to a new character, Beatrix, who gets to who controls the power of electricity. And she's trying to discover the dirty secrets of Althea and the past that they had and also trying to find the trying to find the former headmistress of Alfia, Rosalind. And that is what Beatrix is trying to do throughout the series. And as you keep watching, more and more of the reasoning where Rosalind is and why she is the place that she is, is revealed very quickly. Because Rosalind is actually the one who helped bloom get out of the other world to her human parents because in reality bloom was brought to earth by rosalind i am so sorry you guys if you guys have are listening to this for the first time i do things very much out of order it is not easy to be able to recollect everything from start to finish because it doesn't this character tropes don't work that way and that my brain is very scattered. You get to kind of hear what I'm thinking as you're listening. It's, you hear my pauses, you hear my tone. I am very expressive, especially when it comes to stuff that I really enjoy. And this show is really, really good. So that is, if you guys are listening and you guys are confused to what, what I'm actually talking about, it might be best to watch the show and then come back here to see what I'm talking about. But if you guys are getting here, getting to now, later on in this episode, I'm actually going to be talking about the issues that I have with this show. And I have quite a few, I have quite a few issues. A lot of the online community who loved Winx Club, 
they were all like, I don't want to watch it because it isn't the original Wings. And for me, I'll say this. They clearly said this was not going to be something that was even close to Wings. That's what I thought. And that that's true. This show is very much for adults, has very mature themes, and should not be given to children. Now, I am 18. So I started watching this show when I was about nine. So it's it's been a very long time since I started watching. And long story short, this show is definitely meant meant to gear towards the older audience. And that is one something I'm 100% okay with, that you want to find a way to diversify your crowd and gain a bigger audience from the original Italian company, Rainbow, that produced this, that produced the original series, the first three seasons. And now it just becomes this whole whirlwind of different drama and craziness that I can't even explain because I feel like I'll spoil everything. I don't want to spoil it for you guys because you guys should really watch the show yourselves if you want to hear everything. But I did give you a whole bunch, so I hope that's enough. But another problem that I have is the lack of diversity in the show. Now, this show has, I would say, pretty much the five main cast members. Only one of them is the actual race that they were supposed to be. Now, I find a lot of issue with that. I find like a lot of issue with that. I really do. Because Flora is actually supposed to be Latina in because she has kind of this darker skin tone. She has this darker skin tone about her, the way that her facial is in the original animation leans her to be Latina. But instead they made her white. They made the people who weren't supposed to be white, white. And it's, I have like a theory as to why they did this. To, to one extent. Well, I think one of them was that Hollywood is usually very wary of accepting people who are of different races because they don't know how that will translate to other people who are wealthy because the people who actually can afford to have Netflix are the people they are gearing towards. And a lot of them, at least to my understanding, don't quote me on this. If you guys want to look this up yourselves, you are 100% free to. And then to correct me, because I don't know everything, that a lot of the people who subscribe to Netflix are people who are predominantly white. And that's who Netflix wants to gear this show, show towards, is people who will look more white. But at the same time, there are shows that are definitely not geared towards white people and have their own very diverse cast. Like, um, what would be a good example? Um, Never Have I Ever, one of my very first videos that, very first shows that I reviewed. Never Have I Ever is a very diverse cast with some guys who are Japanese, Indian, white, like there's a lot of different races, but in the Wink Saga, it's predominantly white. And I have a really big issue with that because there's not enough diversity to show that, oh, there's also going to be Latino, like Latinx, like fairies, Latinx, guardians, there's going to be like, there is some people who are Black that are featured, but they barely have anything, just like Aisha. 
Aisha, she's actually the only one of the five in the show. And what I mean by the five are Bloom, Tara, Musa, Stella, and and Aisha. Aisha is the only one who actually is portrayed as her race, which is black. And Aisha doesn't even have a big part in this, which I find more frustrating. I find that incredibly frustrating because everyone should have a chance to be featured and that the people who are, only the people who act the most, I guess, cultured, quote unquote, like the most white are the people who are featured. And I don't find that okay. But at the same time, we have to be the ones to be able to make the change in Hollywood and voice out our concerns and also have people in the industry voice out their concerns to make a change for these big mainstream shows. And luckily there is a change, but it's obvious that the change hasn't happened as much yet because of it's evident with fate, fate the link saga. But I also have a lot of issues with the lack of depth into the storylines for these secondary characters, aside from Aisha. Now, what are some examples that I can think of? I can think of probably like Tara or Musa. Those two, they have decent plot lines. It's more than Aisha, which I still find infuriating. But at the same time, these Tara and Musa definitely deserve more screen, deserved more screen time, but they didn't have it. All they had was kind of like these interactions with each other or interactions with loved ones. But I mean, like not loved ones, but like boyfriends and stuff like that. And there wasn't much there. The development of the storylines are just as important to growing the actual story than anything else. I am absolutely inundated with the idea of, oh, there's only one race that is perfect and that I feel like there isn't a lot of representation for me, at least, in Hollywood, because being Filipino, there is very little representation. I barely see any, and I barely see any mainstream media that feature people who are predominantly Filipino and have Filipino main movies. But there are some changes to that. And on Netflix, for example, they had their first Filipino original movie, Finding Agnes, which it well, it's not their very first one. Let me correct myself. Finding Agnes is their very first Filipino movie that isn't, I guess, gory. It's like the traditional Filipino movie because Filipino movies, they fall into they fall into kind of one of two categories usually, not one of three categories. They fall into the romance slash comedy movies. They fall into the horror movies or they fall into kind of like this family drama, family drama, family comedy movies. And they already covered for the most part, the like the horror, the documentary stuff, they covered that. But I've never seen one with like mainstream Filipino and Filipina actresses on Netflix until this movie Finding Agnes came out. And that is just a testament to how much diversification that Netflix needs to have in order for everyone to feel included and 
I know that we're a long way from it. I'm just glad that we're taking the steps forward. But this show is not it. This show is not about that diversi the diversification. It is about getting people's eyeballs on fate in order to, I guess, help continue the show's legacy, which I respect and that I will totally watch the second season because even though there is a lack of depth to the show, there's not as much diversity, the show's storylines make me want to keep watching. And some of my, one of my very favorite things that I saw in the show was kind of the idea of emotions versus control, where Bloom, in order to control her power, she has her emotions and she can be controlled by her emotions or she can be have actual control of her emotions and be able to control her powers like effectively. And that is with Aisha who helps her. And then the emotions is what Stella trains her to do is to use her strong emotions, but those aren't effective in the long run. The show always has is tangling with emotions versus control. And the entire time where, for example, Bloom has to decide whether she wants to have her emotions control a situation and just let people lead her on to, to the truth or to control her own destiny and to use things to her own power. And at, and at some point she does do that. And she ends up becoming very close with the people that she loves. That is one of the most amazing things to me that this show, even though it's very stereotypical that it has its underlying theme of emotions versus control and also the fact of truth and honesty in that not everything is what seems because no matter what we look like on the outside, there's always something that we don't tell people. And I'm no different than anybody else who doesn't like sharing a lot of things. It's, that's really just the truth for me. My, it's my truth. And that's what you really can take from this show is truth and honesty may not be what they seem, but the truth is, is that we have our emotions or we have control. And that's pretty much it. All right. This has been another episode of Caligan Circumstances. I want to thank all of you for listening to this and my scrambled, scrambled thoughts this morning. And I just hope that you guys have an, a wonderful day. But at the same time, I hope you guys watch the show. Even if it's just the first episode, the first episode is pretty sick because I feel like even with a lot of critique that every show deserves a chance to be heard and seen and at least to be understood from a, per a certain person's perspective, the director's perspective, even the actor's perspective, they all deserve their own chance to shine, even just for a second. Like you just watch one thing and you see, oh, okay. I like it or I, oh, I hate it and that's okay. But it's good to give shows a, a chance to, you know, and to grow. All right. So that has been another episode of Caligan Circumstances. Thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Mm -hmm.